Hi, I'm David Franklin, and you're listening to Episode 3 of Season 2 of the Shintaido of America podcast. Shintaido, in case you haven't heard this word, is an amazing body movement practice, a dynamic and creative holistic health exercise invented in Japan in the 1960s. Shintaido can be a way to open up to a deeper connection with ourselves, with our communities, and with nature. In the third episode of Season 2, you're going to hear Chapters 3 and 4 of Michael Thompson's autobiography, Untying Knots. Michael is one of only four master instructors of Shintaido in the world today, the only non-Japanese master instructor, and significantly, the only master instructor who had no prior background in martial arts before starting to practice Shintaido. Later, he was to study Shintaido in Japan with the founder of the discipline, Hiroyuki Aoki, but in chapters 3 and 4, he describes his first encounters with this unique movement art. Okay, ready? Here we go. Untying Knots, a Shintaido Chronicle by Michael Thompson. Chapter 3, Mark Bassis and something called Shintaido. There was a third item on my Paris agenda. I happened to see a large poster advertising something called Shintaido, taught by Marc Bassis, former European karate champion. It was being offered in a dojo, conveniently located right around the corner from where I was staying. I had no idea what Shintaido was, but assumed it was an obscure style of karate. I thought that by getting involved in some kind of martial art, I could reclaim my body, which had suffered from a lack of exercise and overindulgence of the last ten years or so. It would also be a good way to confront my paralyzing fear of physical violence. When I met Mark, he seemed very pleased, even flattered, that an American was interested in joining his class. Anyone who has experienced the reception accorded to foreigners, especially Americans, by the French, will understand how gratified I was by his interest and civility. It turned out that it was a particularly low point in his teaching career. He was five or six years younger than I, and had been a successful teacher of karate all of his adult life, at one point having more than 100 students all over France. He had been an adherent of the Shotokai school of karate, founded by Master Egami in Japan. Egami had left the world of karate after World War II, disheartened by the propensity of Japanese karateka, or practitioners, to affiliate themselves with the military and political right wing. He felt that karate had degenerated to mere, quote, animal fighting, close quote, techniques. He had a very estimable reputation in karate circles, however, and in the 50s, some young practitioners got together and decided to approach him about becoming their teacher. He agreed after a good deal of persuasion. A club was organized at Chuo University in Tokyo, where most of the original teachers of Shintaido later were to receive their training. The karate movements developed and transmitted by Egami were much more expansive and fluid than what was currently fashionable. Even today, most people associate karate movement with short punches accompanied by simian grunts along with photogenic sidekicks. 
If you watch a karate competition, you will see that the movements are largely defensive and designed only to incapacitate an opponent when an opening is perceived. I personally find this much less effective or aesthetic than straight-on boxing. If this kind of karate were presented merely as a means of self-defense or street fighting, as is generally done in this country, there might have been little or no problem, but it was usually embellished with references to spirituality and the Japanese soul. Part of this is due to the addition of the Japanese suffix do, path or way, to the name of the discipline, such as karate-do, implying that it is more than mere technique, as in the case of jujitsu, jitsu meaning technique, and the word do implies that it is endowed with quasi-mystical meaning. Egami believed that karate was in fact a do, but that the popular version did not reflect this. He softened the sadistic hazing of junior students by seniors while insisting on a hard and purifying keiko, or practice, and went back to what he considered the original movements, which were more meditative and expressive. Those interested in more detail concerning this chapter of Shintaido are referred to Shintaido, The Body is a Message of the Universe, also available in the previous episodes of this podcast. Hiroyuki Aoki was Egami's top deshi, or disciple, a drama student who had taken up karate in order to add a new dimension to his acting abilities. But he soon became completely immersed in this new activity, and later put it, I went for wool and came back shorn. The Shotokai school flourished, but Aoki was as much artist as martial artist and was eager to embark on his own path, something almost completely unheard of in Japan for someone so young. He was then in his late twenties. In fact, his attitude was heretical, even in Egami's school, which was much more liberal than most. As a final assignment, Egami had sent Aoki on a mission to study karate kata, a series of formal attack and receiving forms all over Japan, and to make a photographic compendium of what he discovered. This resulted in the untranslated book Karate Do for Professionals. Since Aoki had to pose for 99% of the photographs, his body took a beating, aging him by 20 years, he later said. But he had fulfilled his obligations to his sensei, or teacher, and left Aigami in order to start his own movement. Many of Aigami's top students went with him, including Mark, Ken Waite, a karate black belt from England, and later Aigami's own son. Aoki formally named his new form Shintaido in 1972. All of Mark's students had been affiliated with the French branch of Shotokai, and when he left, they had to make a choice. Most of them are what we would call jocks and not much interested in artistic or philosophical explorations. They had learned that Shotokai was the best and strongest form of karate, and that is all they wanted. So most of them parted ways with Mark when he decided to follow Aoki. The latter's creation, Shintaido, no longer looked much like a martial art and featured bizarre and unrecognizable forms that seemed of little practical use. As a result, only a handful of Mark's students decided to follow him, 
influenced mostly by his strong and charismatic personality, because they really had no more idea of what Shintaido was all about than I did. You've just been listening to Chapter 3 of Michael Thompson's Untying Knots, and this is the Shintaido of America podcast. I'm David Franklin. We're about to hear Chapter 4, but before we get to that, if you're enjoying today's podcast, the most important thing you can do to help out is to tell people about us. I want to give a big shout-out to those of you who have already shared the podcast on social media and who gave us a good rating on whichever podcasting app you're using. If you haven't done that yet, it would be great if you could just hit pause and do that right now. Share the podcast on social media and give us a good rating, and then hit play again. I'll wait. Okay, thanks. On with the show. Chapter 4, Hop Till You Drop. When I started practicing Shintaido, as of this writing more than 20 years ago, I thought it consisted of a lot of weird and difficult exercises preparatory to getting to the meaty stuff, kicks and punches. Given the lack of conditioning and stiffness of my body, I could appreciate the necessity for strengthening and flexibility practice, and I had read enough Zen literature to understand that the true aspirant is never impatient to get to the heart of the teaching, that some, minimal, I hoped, preparation was in order. In fact, like many American males, my body had been semi-disabled by what was laughingly called physical education. In particular, one knee used to swell up like a water balloon if I happened to land on that leg in the wrong way. After I started to teach Shintaido, I remember an athletic trainer commenting in horror that one of our exercises was terrible for our knees. I refrained from responding that it was certainly no worse than training an armor-plated behemoth to hurl his massive bulk against his opponent's knees and then to twist them as he fell. The dojo on Rue Saint-Antoine was certainly not impressive. It was a small room with a thick mat on the floor and was in a general state of disrepair. Four or five students had remained with Mark after the schism, and I began to understand why he had been so nice to me. The practice started with a series of jumping exercises. The first, Kaikyakusho, featured a posture that was literally impossible for me. Feet flat on the ground, knees bent over them, and a straight back. My version was heels off the ground, knees turned inward, and rounded back. But it was a start. From there, we were to advance by thrusting the pelvis forward and to continue, basically, until we ran out of gas. My personal wall loomed after about five of these, and I spent most of the time on my hands and knees watching the others hopping, or sliding, if they were doing it right, around the perimeter of the room, never pausing, it seemed, either to catch their breath or rest aching or cramped muscles. Oh well, I thought, they're younger and have never played football. The second exercise, 
kaikyakudai was similar except that you were allowed to raise your rear end further off the ground and to bend your knees at right angles, a little like croquet wickets. This was much easier for me, and I was able to acquit myself with less damage to my wounded self-esteem. Unfortunately, we were never asked to do this one as long as the first, and by the time we got to it, I was thoroughly exhausted. The final jumping exercise, Shintaido jump, defied belief. It involves starting from a crouch and throwing yourself into the air, again moving forward continuously and simultaneously stretching your arms and hands over your head. This later became one of my favorite practices and the official Shintaido logo, but at first I once again watched the others leapfrogging around the room from my groveling vantage point. I think I understood how fish must have felt when their soon-to-be reptilian brethren were flinging themselves onto the land. After this preparation, we did perfunctory warming-up exercises and stretches. Fortunately, we are more sophisticated these days and actually warm up before engaging in more strenuous activities. But that was how it was in those days, and no one, at least in France, seemed to know any better. The actual practice consisted of learning the basic techniques, kihon, and partner exercises, kumite. None of these were recognizable to me. The main technique was called tenshingoso, literally the five phases of heavenly truth, which was apparently based on karate kata. I liked this very much, as I did the other exercises that were based on sword movement, toitsu kihon. It seemed like the gain after the pain, although Mark's teaching style was relentless and exhausting, so you could never think of anything as being fun. After the practice, though, we usually went out and had something to eat, which presented a bonus of giving me a chance to work on my French slang. This was to be my life for the next two years. The two weeks with my friends at the Rue Saint-Paul became one month, then two, I lived there for the entire two years and was the last of the three of us to leave. We used to joke that if the landlord ever came by to check up on the place, they would tell him that I was de passage, just passing through. He never did, and the only ill effect is that to this day I cannot bear to listen to the Messiah. In this new life, I was attending two or three practices a week. In addition, Mark led Gashku, retreats all over France. Two of my main frustrations during my two student years in France had been first that I was never able to meet any French people, and second that I hadn't had the opportunity to travel much. Now, about once a month, we would drive to different locations, Normandie, Bordeaux, Lyon, Grenoble, and practice with local groups. Since I was the only American, I was totally immersed in French and finally learned to speak it after over 10 years of formal study. Even though it seemed a little bizarre to be running around the countryside in white costumes, yelling at the top of our lungs, doing an exercise called echo, which consists of running as fast as you can, cutting down progressively with your hands from 12 noon to 3 o'clock, while yelling, ah, as loudly as possible. Echo is translated as glory, 
Nonetheless, it was a good way to visit various regions of the country. Mark's personal power spot was near the little Normandy village of Beauficelle, where his mother had a country home. We would set up tents near a large pasture, usually heading up to the first practice after dinner and cleaning up, which meant not getting started until around 11 p.m. The order of the day was to start jumping, but this time it meant navigating the perimeter of a very big area full of hills, rocks, and deposits of the local denizens, cows. I often wondered what the cows thought about those white figures, we must have seemed huge, jumping, crawling, and grunting around their domain. We would do the jumping exercise Kaikyakusho for about an hour, and then Mark would appear from somewhere to tell us to begin Shintaido jump. This lasted another hour. We returned, bowed but unbent, to our camp to down some tea and biscuits before collapsing into our sleeping bags. The next morning, more tea, and then off to the field to do our eco practice. This essentially involved doing five laps or so around the field, which took at least an hour, followed by repetition of the same exercise with our bow, a six-foot wooden staff. About six months into my practice, I was in fairly good shape and had discovered that if I was tired enough, I even started to loosen up a bit. Eiko had been a real test for me because the psychotic episode I had gone through a few years previously had centered around the conviction that I had either had or was going to have a heart attack. The first few times I did Eiko, which involves throwing yourself skyward, abandoning all mundane fears and attachments, and then running full out toward your destiny, I literally thought that each moment might well be my last. When I came to the end and found myself not only alive, but exhilarated, I felt that I had really found what I had been looking for and desperately needed. For the first year or so, each time I went to the field, I had to repeat the cycle of apprehension, decision, and resolution, but it became less and less of a trial and more of a joy. There was one further hurdle to clear before I could consider myself rid of this particular neurosis. There were many more that would rear their ugly heads in the future. One of the ideas behind Eiko is that there is no limit. Theoretically, you could run forever since your horizon is infinite. At a summer gashku, a retreat held at Saint-Marie-sur-Mer in the south of France, Mark had us congregate in a tight circle, facing outward to assume the fetal position of un, preparatory to opening up into a. Shintaido's two basic exercises, Tenshingoso and Eiko, begin with the sound of um, which could be described metaphorically as embodying our seed being, while a is the vocalization that accompanies the first part of Eiko and Tenchingoso. It was mid-afternoon and the Mediterranean sun was at its most intense and the sand absorbed and radiated its heat unmercifully. His only instruction was that we were to continue as far as we could. And given the dimensions of the beach, that could be over two miles. We were then to return again doing echo, 
making a potential total of four miles or more. I rose up into ah, full of trepidation, and started to run, arms outstretched. After about 400 yards, my attention flagged, and I stopped. As I looked around me, I could see the other 30 or so practitioners fanning out in all directions. Other than myself, perhaps one or two beginners had stopped. Standing there, I realized that the prospect of the return trip had stopped me in my tracks. I walked back to the starting point, completely demoralized. Mark demanded an explanation, and all I could say was that I couldn't see the point of it all. Obviously, this didn't satisfy him, or me, for that matter. I felt as if there had been a mountain to climb, and I had not given myself the chance to reach the summit. The next morning's keiko, or practice, was uneventful, but that afternoon we were told to repeat the previous day's eiko practice. This time I was determined not to miss my chance, and took off totally focused on the afternoon sky. And I kept going, until I came to some kind of finishing point, turned around, and headed back. When I got back, there was no doubt that I had surmounted that particular hurdle and had learned that no reason was necessary for challenging a mountain, or any task for that matter, other than the fact that it is there. Doing Eiko was an opportunity to come face to face with your true self. This was the aspect of Shintaido that was to stick with me for the next few years. This is the Shintaido of America podcast. You've just been hearing Chapter 4 of Michael Thompson's Untying Knots, and I'm Shintaido instructor David Franklin. We're nearly done, but be sure to listen through to the end of the credits for the cherry. Before the cherry, I'm going to pass the hat around among you who are hearing the sound of my voice and do a bit of busking here on the information superhighway. Shintaido of America is a totally member-supported nonprofit organization, and there are many ways to support our truly micro-budget production of educational materials. And I really mean that. We produce a huge amount of content on volunteer power, but some things just require a few bucks in the bank. So one way is to make a one-time donation in any amount, or to become a member of Shintaido of America for $60 per year, if you're hearing this in 2023. It would mean a great deal to our hardworking team. You can do that, sign up for our free email newsletter, and also find all kinds of free educational resources at our website, where you can also find all the previous episodes of this podcast, which is www.shintaido.org. That's www.shintaido.org. That's whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. Dot Sierra Hotel India November Tango Alpha India Delta Oscar dot Oscar Romeo Golf. Got it? You can also find us on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube by searching for Shintaido of America. And our email address is podcast at shintaido.org. Our episode today was recorded and edited by me, David Franklin, with support from Sarah Baker, Connie Borden, Teresa Soldatova, Jim Sterling, the Joe Zawilski Memorial Fund, and of course, the members of Shintaido of America. 
Thank you. Okay, here's the cherry. When I came to Shintaido 20 years ago, my world was small and my defense mechanisms huge. I hadn't had a particularly traumatic life, just the ordinary slings and arrows that everyone experiences by the time they reach 30. Then Shintaido broke down my armor and left me vulnerable, and I hated that feeling. I did not want to be vulnerable. I wanted to be safe and impervious to pain. I spent a lot of time angry, questioning, and doubtful, promising myself that I would quit. Looking back, I can see that I was angry because Shintaido didn't fix me, and I wanted an easy fix. I wanted something outside of myself to make me feel better. Well, that's not the way to grow up. Shintaido prepared me to open up to other opportunities that allowed me to grow and mature. I'm not fixed in the way I wanted to be, but my world is no longer small. It has expanded along with my Shintaido practice. Shintaido made it possible for me to let go of my old ideas and be able to change. That was a quote from an article written in 2003 by one of Michael Thompson's students, Anna Lee Wilde, which appeared in Body Dialogue, the Shintaido Journal, number 20. And guess what? You can find back issues of Body Dialogue as well as previous episodes of this podcast all for free at our website, www.shintaido.org. Thanks for listening to the Shintaido of America podcast. Contents of this podcast, copyright Shintaido of America 2023. Shintaido, opening to life. Thank you.